swear words alert. Headphones without doubt, a must. Awesomeness awaits. So there's one thing that bothers me a lot. Like a lot. And it happens to me when I before I go to study overseas. Is the tips I found online. They're like pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So try searching top studying abroad tips or things like that. And try opening the top few links and read it for me. <laughs> Tell me what you think about it. 10 essential tips for studying abroad. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Let's go. Read it out. <laughs> the ultimate guide to studying abroad or away. Say yes to every damn opportunity, especially if it sounds silly. Dare to fail. <laughs> Actually go to class. Actually go to class. <laughs> like why the hell would you go to study That's abroad? A That's a tip for studying abroad. Studying abroad costs a fortune. That's why I can't help but wonder, are these really the best we can prepare students? Before we parachute them into the battlefields like soldiers, blind with nothing but jokes as their strategy, and funded often by years of backbreaking blood and sweat of Asian parents. <sighs> so? Hello, ambitious East Asians. Today, for those thinking of studying abroad, we have eight no-bullshit insider tips that you will not find anywhere else online. Tips written specifically for East Asians going West, which are tricky to come up with unless you've actually been there. Even better, we will not stop at showing you what to think about. There are three levels of how you do the packing. Oh my gosh, you're going to say seeds? Huh? But also replicate what it really felt like to us down to the bones when we went there. He said to me, you're going to walk through those gates and you're not looking back. My eyes turned into oceans. An immersive simulation ready the hearts of prospective students. And a nostalgic ride if you're listening as an alumni. For context, we did our bachelor's and master's in the UK, and I'm still doing my PhD there. So let's get right into it, to help you make the best out of your one shot. I'm Joyce. I'm Wynne. And this is The Station Story. So everyone from East Asia knows that studying abroad, especially in the West, is the easiest way to stand out early in your career around here. I had a little kind of dream to be abroad, studying overseas for at least a degree, like even a short degree. I wanted to have that at least once in my lifetime. Where does that come from? Harry Potter? The- Definitely Harry Potter. Maybe. <laughs> I can't deny that. I mean, it's part of the equation. <laughs> Getting a unique life experience can be another big reason as well, apparently. Yeah, and just be in a different place. So you don't know the people, you don't know their cultures, you don't know their way of life. But unlike our friends from the West, this is normally our secondary motivation because studying overseas is ridiculously expensive. The artificially high tuition fees against international students, the crazy cost of living in the West... It's enough to doubt whether it's really worth burning through savings to go. So let's address it head on. Insight number one. Good financial return is possible, but it's a matter of choice. Let's first talk about the return on investment of the trip purely on financial terms. The fact is, if you plan to come back home to work, 
There just aren't many jobs that pay as high as your expenses overseas. Especially for those from developing countries. So for most, it'll take a really long time to recover your investment. Maybe even longer, depending on your career choice. Yeah, I, I can't deny. <laughs> I mean, I was working at a university with a master's degree. From the UK, in a position that usually require a PhD from abroad to join. And my brother graduated with an undergraduate degree. In computer engineering from a Thai university. And he was earning more. And I'm not saying I'm bitter about it, but it's just reality and I'm accepting it and I'm studying even further. <laughs> The exceptions are, of course, if you choose to remain and work overseas for a few years, or come back home to pursue jobs at top international firms in fields like corporate law, management consulting, high finance. Bye. <sighs> and sadly, private tutoring, for example. I feel like my guts is leading me to poverty. As for the rest of us who choose other careers, you have to decide whether the non-financial value you gain from studying abroad is worth the cost. There are things in life beyond money. Like happiness, power, glory, and... Developing the country. <laughs> are you for real? <laughs> no, no, no. I think when I made the decision to pursue overseas education, experiencing the world wasn't quite in the mixture. It was more like, there's this extra opportunity out there that if you succeed in this competition she got a scholarship it could change your life and also it sets your eyes on national development improving human capital things like that it's all very grand and um, bring honor to the nation sort of way are you sure that's the case rather than like you're just trying to run away from medical school <laughs> I had I could have picked... No, I couldn't have picked anything other than medical school, could I? <laughs> Don't tell your parents. <laughs> yeah, like, funnily Asian enough. Asian family. <laughs> like, you have to get into medical school or engineering, otherwise you're screwed. It's just the tried and tested route. Yeah, your parents are... Both doctors. my parents are doctors, yeah. So when I was granted this prestigious opportunity, I just completely rebelled. So if you're like me and Joyce, cool kids who simply can't resist the sexiness in low-paying jobs. Check out the show notes on our website. You'll find two additional insider hacks to help reduce the cost of the trip. Okay, now that we've cleared the financial dilemma, you start looking into the courses and universities available. You'll need to choose the right course in school, obviously. This is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. So... Modern life hack number two. Talk to alumni. The way to do this is to reach out through social media directly. Yeah, and alumni associations are much more visible these days as well. That's right. I'm sure they are happy to tell you the little details on what it's like. <sighs> so you won't repeat the same mistake that I did. You just <laughs> blinded yourself, triple blinded yeah. yourself. So like... um. I'm your reversal. I wanted to get into medical school and then I couldn't. And then, um, yeah, I went to be a monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the night, basically, I woke up and thought, like, oh, 
I have the grades to apply to biochemistry. Why don't I do that? Hashtag enlightenment. I I think it's probably like I was being a bad monk, and then the Buddha, <laughs> the Buddha just the Buddha was angry, and he's and he's like, I'm gonna torture you for four years. You know where you go after life now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a I'm a lucky boy who had the opportunity to study overseas, but didn't make the best of it. Um, And it was costly to me, so I hope at least this episode would probably like give some redeeming value for me <laughs> getting the opportunity to study overseas, so that other people don't make the same mistakes. This is your attempt at countering your sins. Yeah, paying for your sins. <laughs> I'm sorry, Buddha. <laughs> the takeaway is: don't make your decisions like me. So now you've worked super hard, taken crazy tests, done interviews, and finally got accepted by the university. That's probably one of the happiest moments in your life. And so it's packing time. Shopping. Finally. <laughs> now this is where it gets interesting because there are three levels of how you do the packing, right? If you're a newbie, right, like the classic thing that you do is you go to supermarket. You stock up your luggage with instant noodles and instant noodles <laughs> and instant noodles, which you can easily find at your destination. So it's really unnecessary. Instead, let me tell you about level two. <laughs> if you're experienced, the things that you do is you bring a rice cooker. Mm. Mm. Cooking is cheaper than eating out. Yeah, I have to say, rice cookers are game changers because it can make porridge, it can make soup, it can make even cake. Make cakes? Yeah. What's you can bake the... cakes in rice cookers. You can do anything in rice cookers. <laughs> It's heaven. So tip number three: bring your old rice cooker. The other stuff we recommend include getting a sleeping bag and not packing too many clothes, but instead getting them at your destination. The details are in the show notes. But then, that's just like the second level, you know. If you're a third level, oh my gosh, you're gonna say say what? I know where you're going. What? What? Tell me. You're gonna say seeds. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you. That's when you met. That was when you met my boss. You idiot. <laughs> you know what? This lady bought <laughs> seeds packets, and then she went there. It's and all legal. It was all legal. I know, but I did not circumvent any laws. You went there, and it was like in the fall and winter. <laughs> And by the time you get to plant it, it's like summer, and then, like, okay, we are going home now. All I wanted like, was to save up on my tie hurts. You think we are like living in a greenhouse or something? <laughs> like, what the hell? That was the one thing I forgot about the weather. She brought like basil seeds and like. I had Thai sweet basil, holy basil, papaya, mango. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but in the end, it all died anyway. So like, this does not work. We made a few harvests. <gasps> They were learning experiences. God, what's level three then, if not seeds? So level three, right? Obviously, there's nothing better than like getting a rice cooker, but it's way way smarter if you get it from somebody who's already there. You know, when you go there, there's probably a cultural society of your nationality. If you contact them like in advance, right? There'll be a graduating cohort, and there'll be like, 
oh, I don't have anywhere to dump my like bike and like rice cooker or kitchenwares and pots and pans. Yeah, yeah, which is like completely fine. A lot even of even luggages, duvets, hair dryers, and items that are like, you know, I inherited this knife. From this student who inherited it from that student, then etc. etc. And then you find out that oh, this knife has belongs been... to the Japanese sushi chef. <laughs> <laughs> like the knife of the famous Japanese sushi chef right now, who have two Michelin star. Oh shit! Speaking of which, that's our rice cooker. <laughs> Say hi. This episode is sponsored by <laughs> Rice Cooker. Get one. If you don't, you're gonna be screwed. Rice Cooker. Anyway. So, super secret ninja technique number four: get cheap secondhand stuff from those already there. That's like a super super insider hack. Mm. You're done with packing. Say goodbye to your coworkers, teachers, friends, and grannies. My grandma even gave me a gentle reminder before I left. She said, "Like." Don't bring back European wives, ah! Huh? Oh my gosh! Otherwise, I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it's time to leave your parents, and for many of us from East Asia, it's that rare moment in your life that you tell them you love them very much, or else regret not having the courage to say it, like me. The one thing that my dad. Told me, said to me the first time I was leaving. After hugging goodbye and you know your last hugs, and then there's the final hug and the final final hugs. That moment, he said to me, "You're gonna walk through those gates, and you're not looking back." My eyes turned into oceans. It was so like, yeah. It, I mean, now thinking about it, I'm speechless because that's yeah, that's what he he had to say. That's what he wanted me to do, and I knew that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I I mean, I I did what I was told, but it was really painful to follow his his um advice. Are you about to cry? I cried for ten years every time I leave home, and I felt no shame about it. I had been so busy preparing for this journey, the research, the application, the packing, and the goodbyes. Now I'm finally on the plane, and it felt surreal. I'm really doing this. And although I'm locked in the middle of a sea of passengers, drowned in the booming chaotic noises from the surrounding madness, all that was audible in my mind was the thought of the looming unknown ahead. The new mentors, friends, and allies I'm excited to welcome into my life, and fear of the obstacles, misfortunes, and disappointments ahead that I'll have to fight. Ultimately, will I succeed in this journey and achieve my dream future path? Well, it's too late to back down now. And for the first time in almost a year since the inception of the idea, all I could do was wait.
Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, on the EAS-909 flight by East Asian Story Airlines. I'm Joyce, your captain for this flight. And I'm your humble cabin crew, Win CS, ready to be of service. This complimentary flight, leaving from the east to the west, is sponsored by... Is to be sponsored by a rice cooker company. (laughs) (laughs) If any company wishes to get in touch, Win would be elated. We also have sleeping bags on offer. And seats in our in-flight shopping catalogue for those who are interested in a bright new beginning. Please keep your seatbelts fastened at all times. Thank you for choosing East Asian Story Airlines. We hope you have a pleasant flight. And good luck on your journey ahead. Swadikram. You finally got here to the promised land. And if you're like Joyce and I, you feel cold, dark, gloomy, lonely. You really miss home and wondered whether you're last in this unfamiliar place. The weather's different, the customs are strange, and the food's weird. The most shitty of all, boiled potatoes. <laughs> that sucks. And raw carrots. Like, who the hell do that? I don't get raw carrots, to be honest. Yeah, no yeah. offense to carrot lovers out there, but I just can't. I don't do carrots in general, and raw carrots are just... Yeah, it's like... I can't. I'm not a rabbit, you know? <laughs> yeah, so you feel like out of place, you know? Like a newly transplanted heart. Until you stumble upon a source of familiarity away from home to anchor on. Which is, you found your local Asian shop. Whee! Gentle tip number five. So Asian shops are like your best friend. The first time you walk in, you're like, this is my kingdom. Oh, there's rice, there's instant noodles, there's sauce. Ooh, this sauce exists over here on this side of the world. And in the end, you end up with like 15 kilos of like <laughs> rice and glass jars and... Bring a luggage to carry your rice. Yes, anything with wheels. Only after you identified your local Asian shops, did you feel, I finally settled <laughs> and I'm home. Now, once you're comfortable, the next thing you have trouble with is probably in your studies. Because classes are hard. It's a completely different world. Like when I went to the first few discussion or tutorial sessions, I was blown away because native students were so articulate. And they also shared ideas which I knew I could have never come up by myself. Making me super demoralized. Existential crisis. What did you get for your first assignment? I think I might have got a D minus. <laughs> you mean D for dishonor? Dishonor! Dishonor! <laughs> dishonor to the family! <laughs> I mean, I was shocked because it was just completely different to my achievements back home. The better you were at home, the harder it hits. So just kind of be gentle with yourself. The first exposure to a different education system, you have to see it in that way as well because you're trying to not just adjust to but also excel in a completely different system where other people have been in there for ages and you just kind of landed in here and trying to write in their language. For me, the way I think about it is it's meant to be challenging. Otherwise, you're not getting your money's worth, right? So taking all the pain and turn it into a drive to overcome this discomfort. 
and once you recovered your morale, here's super cheat code number six. Western educators love students who ask questions. Asking questions leave great impression on them. Which leads to great relationship, opportunities and learning beyond the course. It's okay to start with stupid questions first to show that you're engaged. Or frame it in a smart way, like you're questioning fundamental assumptions, lol. <laughs> you sneaky. Then thought-provoking questions that challenges the teacher so they'll notice your potential. This tip might sound obvious to people with a Western education, but it's not at all if you grow up in a traditional school here in the East where nobody raises their hands and asks questions. So don't worry. You're not disrupting class or disrespecting your teachers like back at home, especially if you see others do it as well. Now, aside from surviving class, you need to survive physically too. I shall reveal now my secret. When I'm like super poor and desperate for money, what did I eat? You know what's the cheapest thing that's possible, that's edible? What? The cheapest thing that I I had, and I had it for years, is bird food. Huh? (laughs) What? I mean, not, not literally bird food, but then... You know, like cereal, which are like grains, like really uh, shitty, shitty ones. Yeah, and they it and does you, keep you full. Yeah, and especially when you add water, and water is free, right? Oh my gosh! So, like, if you're really desperate for food and you're poor, bird food, bird food's the thing. No. Grains and water that will keep you full. No. Imagine doing that when you're homesick and stuff and you're like, no, I oh, know, I miss porridge. I miss I like... know, but then this is like a life hack which is like um, yeah, just do for it desperate people, once. you know. Just do it once every like fortnight. But Once every fortnight? I thought you were going to say like, just do it once a lifetime. <laughs> I, I was going to say that, but we're talking desperate times. But like, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I Don't mean, feed your insanity. I mean, you might be full, like physically, but your mental health is going to screw up. Yes. There was a period. I've been there. When <laughs> all you ate was cereal and then you were depressed as F. <laughs> and you were like, I'm trying to survive right now and I'm trying to do some work. Don't ever talk to me. And I'm like, I'm your girlfriend. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, like, like my parents don't send me money. Zero for breakfast, zero for lunch, zero for dinner. Repeat it over again, again and again. <laughs> That was my darkest moment studying abroad. The scary thing was, I wasn't aware of how stressed I became. I mean, I thought I was doing the right thing for my parents by trying to spend as little as possible. Luckily, Joyce was around and only after she knocked some sense into me did I realise I was depressed. And also not really yourself at all. I learned the hard way that mental health was also a basic need to take care of. I have a more realistic and logical tip. What? So when you go to supermarkets, right? Bring a few friends. Go shopping together. Then you can find things that sell in bulks. You buy them in huge quantities. You divide between you guys. You get cheaper. Okay, technically, Joyce is right about bulk buying rice being the cheapest, but... 
only if you eat it without accompanying side dishes. Just saying, to be precise. Oi! <laughs> I'm talking healthy lifestyles. Um, not just healthy, but like sane. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. Sorry. Apologetic insight number seven. Look after yourselves. Find friends to take care of each other's mental health. And that's what's life like. Trying to juggle between your studies, being frugal, but also living the YOLO spirit. You only live once! Woo! The first time I went like on a trip, we stayed in like a super, super dodgy hostel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you'll end up doing it once and then just regret it for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, and then we get to like the food. I mean... You try local cuisine, like what the website suggests, like things like fish and chips. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna say anything. I have no comment. But whatever you do, don't try the Brussels sprouts. That's my advice. They're not that bad. Yes, they're like the evil. No, you cook them right. They're really good. <laughs> the evilest vegetable. No. <laughs> this is my tip. They're not horrible. Or courgettes. Courgettes are... No, you you can't. You can't do this. No, they're like... They're like the evil twin of the cucumber. No. Cucumbers are awesome. If you roast them right, if you... Ugh. Courgettes are like... It sucks. You're wasting people's time. No. <laughs> Go find out. Go find out. Go find places that do them well. Yeah. Find out for yourselves. Risk dying. This is where... Regretting. <sighs> for the rest of your life. This is where we beg to differ. <laughs> so when did you feel like you finally settled? Like when you feel calls back home or things that are in the schedule and it's becoming a routine it's basically. a routine that you do it's not like you're not looking forward to it but I no longer feel homesick homesickness equaled crying and thinking about home for me it's kind of like um, stop eating bird food <laughs> your grades slowly turn from D's into A's you finally got the hang of this you took your final exams and you're done. Finally, it's time for you to return home. When you're back, people say you're the same, but also not. They can't quite put into words what had changed about you. Ooh, that shiny new aura. I think it's because you settle in a different culture and to an extent you have to adjust and adapt your way of life and who you are to be able to fit in. So you take a bit of their culture back yeah. as well. Like you add it into the mix and it makes part of your identity. And for people that you grow up with, of course they're going to know the difference. Of course they'll be able to notice it. You also probably returned with a sharp upgrade on your soft skills becoming unconsciously more confident, resourceful, and wiser with international perspectives. You've managed to succeed without your mother tongue, and you've also worked, composed, write, experiment, produce with an international cohort. Yeah, it kind of elevates you into a global citizenship sort of tier 
it allows me a sense of confidence when I come back and the sense of victory in a way that I've yeah I have survived in a completely foreign setting you know and that's what I think studying abroad essentially is as close as you can get to an adventure in the modern era your own transformative hero's journey you know like just coming back from a great adventure and knowing that mm. you've thrown the ring into the Mount Doom <laughs> you know having survived just just that purely and you've defeated the Dark Lord taking some bit of what you've experienced from your adventure back and you become a new version of you yeah you become more like Elven and more like <laughs> Men's of Gondor and Rohan <laughs> sorry why I love Lord of the Rings. If you made HP references, then I would allow I, it. You become more like the Death Eaters. What? <laughs> Excuse? <laughs> Sorry. Dark Lord. Which leads to the final tip number eight. Reverse culture shock. It's not going to feel the same once you've spent that amount of time abroad studying and acclimatizing yourself to a new culture. When you're back, you'll see so many things that can be improved. You set off to change things, but you just can't understand why people won't listen to you. And having to fight against resistance like that all the time can lead to depression. Especially, especially if your goal is to come back and save Thai education. Go away. <laughs> I'm alright in that domain. That's the truth. That's the truth, you know. Yeah, I mean, I have my moments. But it's what I have my ambitions set on. And in my dark moments, I'm not just gonna turn my back on it. The one lesson I've learned is to be gentle with yourself and whatever place you're in. Realize that there is that difference. It exists for a reason, and that's the reason that you take to go where you went. So, be patient and work smart, rather than keep trying to run against the wall and give up fast. Only when you've become the master of both worlds. Having learned from your journey better ways of doing things, and knowing how to work the system at home to be in your favour, is the moment when your journey is truly complete. And that's not the end of our show. Stick around to the very end to hear a super cute tip from Joyce on how to lessen your homesickness. One that I thought was way too weird to include into the official list. Yo! Listeners, please be your judge. If you love our work, hit follow and share with your friends who are thinking of studying abroad. If you love our work, hit subscribe and share with your friends who are thinking of studying abroad. <laughs> You'll find 8 more insider tips that's absolutely crucial but too detailed for me to include into this episode. Covering two financial hacks, three advices on finding jobs after, and much more. Or if we missed something awesome, please, listeners, do leave a comment for us there. We'd really love to hear from you. Head over to our episode show notes at eastasianstory.substack.com eastasianstory.com Hey! <laughs> I haven't buy that domain. <laughs> I haven't buy that domain. <laughs> no money lah, you sponsor me. <laughs> 
eStationStory.substack.com. The link in the episode description. And that's the end of our first season. I'm Win. I'm Joyce. And this is East Asian Story. We hope you have a pleasant flight. So I think. And now, onward to Joyce's super weird tip as your parting gift for this season. <laughs> I have a tiny tip um, for. I wish I had done this when I first went because <laughs> my mum just said the other day how she recalled me telling her the first few months I arrived there would be a set of clothes that I kept unused and unwashed mm. so that I would have a fresh pile of clothes that smell of home to sniff when I felt homesick. How cute and sad is that? What is this sorcery? <laughs> You have to tell your mom to like put extra detergent and things like that. <laughs> I have a vague memory of telling this to her over Skype, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cute!" But yeah, so just a tiny tip: if you know you're that type of person who's really sensitive, like me, and who's probably going to be homesick for over six months, what I would have done if I had known is I would have brought the fabric detergent and softener <laughs> that we use at home, just a tiny bit, just to use every now and then, so that I can get over this homesickness and just just to use it. You mean like sniff like glue? Not to sniff it like glue, to use it on your laundry. For That's goodness' like, sake, you, you're, like, <laughs> you're like a drug addict sni- sniffing laundry detergent. I hadn't thought of that actually. That could work. I, I mean, just keep it in a perfume bottle and then like spray it every now and this then. This girl is a detergent sniffer. <laughs> Sniffing, I meant to use on your laundry. Go away. You're becoming a bad influence. <sighs> Sniff detergent. What's wrong with it?